Point is, the end result is the same. Duty calls. I have searched the world over before you. That is so cool. You guys all just have this really tight bond. Just call me the computer whisperer. He seemed so nice and normal. You don't want to come back to my place? Each smell makes me nauseous. I thought it was going to be a slow night. It's fucking fantastic. I love that sound. Can we go now? Welcome to Beer with Buffy. I'm Josh. I'm Rex. Well, Rex, this is going to be great. <laughs> I got my hard coffee. I got my soft beer. I got my soft coffee and my hard beer. <laughs> this is going to be a good episode. You and your fucking beverages, it cracks me the fuck up. Well, it's going to be a fun episode. I, I, I think it will. I think between the caffeine and the alcohol and my poor, confused little body, <laughs> it could be a very difficult episode, but fun. <laughs> fun, 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 fun. What episode is it, Josh? Well, today on Beer with Buffy <laughs> Rex, I'm so glad you asked. And the answer is Shadow. <laughs> Is the title of today's episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I was feeling like you were forgetting to do that part. No, I wasn't forgetting. Okay. I was just waiting for you to remind me. Because <laughs> that's how I live my life. That's a shitty way to live. I'm sorry. That's why I haven't gotten anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you're blaming me for your your position in life. No, I'm blaming me for waiting for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't do that. Just don't do that. I'm just sloughing off the blame. Oh, it's like saying, well, uh, let me check with my wife first. I'm saying no, but I'm putting the blame on her. I'm just kidding. I'm not married. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a certain amount of like, man, whose fault can I make me? <laughs> <laughs> like, uh... Our mutual friend's post yesterday. God has allowed me to live one more day, and I'm about to make it all y'all motherfuckers' problems. <laughs> Yay, problems. Yes. <laughs> My God. If you guys have not tried Reed's ginger beer, fucking do it. Yes. You will thank yourself and us mostly. I, I think it's available nationally in the U.S. I have no idea if it's available anywhere else, but... No, Reed's ginger beer, best fucking ginger beer you've ever had. And let me tell you, you can't fucking tell the difference between the zero calorie, no sugar, and the one with sugar cane. So this is seriously one of the few things on the planet that makes me proud to be an American, where at least I know I can drink sugar-free ginger beer. Aw, <laughs> oh, yeah. It is made in... Jamaica? I know there's a Jamaican version of it. I don't well, know what it, that means, well, though. It's Jamaican-style ginger beer, is what it's known as. I don't think it's actually made in Jamaica. The Consumer Inquiries label on the back says, Norwalk, Connecticut. I'm all kinds of not worried about it. By the way, everybody, we're talking about ginger beer here today. I'm sure we've mentioned it before, but it's only because the only alcoholic beverages we're consuming are repeats, Pabst Blue Ribbon Hard Coffee, Salted Caramel, and Perrin Black Ale. Also, both highly recommended and are not paying us to say these things. That is correct. But if they want to, they're more than welcome. Yes, please. Yeah, hop I, on that bandwagon, please. I would really be happy if Reed's wanted to sponsor me to do anything. Like oh, right. If they're like, hey, I'll sponsor you to do insert ridiculous thing here. I think I would do it. 
blow bubblegum while riding a penny pony okay. and, and assaulting a heavily armored kangaroo. Don't worry, I, the kangaroo's going to win. It's- oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> kangaroos are vicious. That's what my, my concern was, is like... Uh, <laughs> I thought you I were... don't know that I could take a kangaroo, uh, I... just particularly a heavily armored kangaroo. I was worried you were going to call me out on animal cruelty for a moment. Yes, animal cruelty towards you, towards me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Fucking kangaroo would beat my ass. <laughs> hey Rex, do you want to give us a list of our executive doodle doos? I would love to do that. Well, fuck a doodle do. <laughs> so yes, we have our executive producers. They are Garrett Sanders. Hey, you're new. Congratulations. Jay Sommer, Paul Dahlheimer, Christina, Lauren Jewell, Catherine Parkinson, Karen Moon, Chris V-Man, Catrick J. Fur, Hilly Hilfman, Scarlett Choi, Janella Lindauer, Simo Pinty, Meredith McCaslin, Rose Clark, C in quotes heaps, Andy Burgess, K. Fronome, Father Defenestrato, Methuen DeBurr, Kelly McAdams, Shuby Pathak, Jesse Rain, and Carrie Phillips. God damn, it's getting a bit unwieldy. Unwieldy <laughs> was exactly the word I was just about to suggest. But hey, thank you so much. Without you, this show literally is not possible. Literally. <laughs> damn it. I was going to say literally, fuck a doodle do, but not literally. No, don't literally. Literally, literally, fuck a doodle do. Oh. In the metaphorical sense of literally. You know, that's not quite a hill I'll die on. <laughs> Not as much as irregardless. No, nothing is... Irregardless is not a word, and that is a hill I'll die on. I'm aware. That that can be arranged, Rex. <laughs> so speaking of doodle-doos, we have a very special little doodle-doo shout-out today to uh, guess who, Rex? Uh, oh, right. Lauren Jewell and her I... good friend Tish Delano have a brand new spanking podcast. Well, I mean, it's been out for a little bit called Camp Creep. And they gave us a shout-out, and I told them we'd give them a shout-out, so this is me giving them a shout-out. And I listened to one of their episodes, and what they do is they review... Currently, they're reviewing all the episodes of Tales from the Crypt with the Crypt Keeper and all that stuff. And it's super cool, because they totally ripped off our format, which we ripped off from the Greatest Generation podcast, because it's just a good format, and it works. Yeah! What the fuck? You're trying to kidnap what I have rightfully stolen! Bastards. We have rightfully stolen this format. It is our format now. You can't take our format. That is an accurate statement. I'm so glad you stated that. And the answer is neutral. (laughs) No, I have not gotten a chance to actually listen to the podcast yet. Or their podcast yet. Well, you're a bad person, Rex. And you should I, feel bad. The reason why... <laughs> the worst shout-out ever. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Lauren. <laughs> no, I, I took a look at the podcast. The problem is, is I don't remember a whole lot about Tales from the Crypt, and I decided I wanted to listen to an episode of theirs for an episode of Tales from the Crypt that I remember seeing. So I'm trying to remember episodes of Tales from the Crypt that I remember seeing. But since I wasn't particularly allowed to watch it when I was a kid, there's only like three that I can remember. That makes a whole lot of sense, but let me go ahead and put your fears at rest. It doesn't really matter if you've seen Tales from the Crypt, because they're so good at explaining it that it's fun anyway. They've got great radio voices, which means they have great podcast voices. So if you want to listen to Camp Creep, head on over to Podbean as their host, just like us. 
and look up Camp Creep. You can email them at campcreeppodcast at gmail.com. Give them a listen. Give them a review on iTunes. Hey, speaking of reviews on iTunes, why don't you give us a review on iTunes since you're listening to us? Yeah. We'd appreciate that very much. Hey, we've currently got 46 reviews on iTunes as of this recording, and we're doing a giveaway drive. Yeah. Once we hit 50 iTunes reviews... We're probably going to give away a hoodie or something. If you have any better ideas for something for us to give away, we'd love to hear it. What do you want? And also, as long as it's something from our store, we can ship internationally now. Yes, we can. Bam. Which was one of the number one reasons why I got us a new store. Huzoodles. And if you are interested in any of the items in that store, you can go to bearwithbuffy.com slash shop. Correct. Oh, by the way, Rex, we do have a voicemail from Crystal River Sam, but we're going to get to that next week. Alrighty. And uh, I think you'll you'll really enjoy the subject matter. I should have brought that up before we recorded. We're getting to you, Crystal River Sam, Madam of Many Monikers. <laughs> I was waiting for it. <laughs> Alright, uh, then on to parental synopsis, I guess. Joshua! What are you doing, Joshua? I told you never to come in my room when I'm playing with my snake! <laughs> oh, fucking Christ. <laughs> so today on Buffy the Vampire, so I, <laughs> I hear you synopsizing in there, Joshua. Are you using innuendos to get rid of me again, Joshua? <laughs> no. <laughs> Damn it, Joshua. Why won't you let me into your life? You never get emotional with me. It's always about angel this and angel that. <laughs> this doesn't have anything to do with angel. This is about my snake. <laughs> Fine then. Damn it, Joshua. Oh Tell me all about your puffy snake. I'm here to listen. Let it all out, Joshua. <laughs> Alrighty, you'll just have to use the key to get in. Oh, wait, you don't know where it is, do you? <laughs> Only I know where the key is. <laughs> I'll just go ask your little brother Gordon then. He knows all your stupid secrets. What? Shit! Okay, fine, Mom. You want to know all about the snack? I'll give you the G-rated version if it'll make you go away. <laughs> That's all I ever wanted, Joshua. Except for the me going away part. That's not going to happen. <laughs> Tell me something I don't know. <laughs> so on today's episode of Buffy, entitled Shadow, Buffy finds out that Joyce has a shadow in her brain, hence the title and has to have a biopsy. Riley takes care of Dawn and lying to her on Buffy's behalf while Buffy runs off half-cocked to try and fuck up Glory after finding out that she waltzed into the magic shop and bought some stuff to go make a big evil snacky boy and wants to use it to sniff out the key, which is Dawn, spoiler alert. Well, Snacky Boy does exactly that. He finds Dawn and he heads back to report her location to Glory, but Buffy and Chows are on top of that shit. Buffy chases it down and beats it to death, thereby foiling Glory's evil plan once again. And now she's got plenty of downtime to go deal with the emotional fuckery of her sickly mum, her innocent and fragile little sister of paranormal origins, and a boyfriend who is entirely far too insecure for his own good. The end. Good synopsis. Thank you. Good job. Fuck you, Rex. Nobody likes you. 
You don't like me because I give him praise that you won't. You don't talk to my friends that way, Mom. <laughs> you don't have any friends, Joshua. Yes, he does. <laughs> That's emotional abuse. Sorry, I'm cutting all this out. Whatever. <laughs> Ladies, gentlemen, spiny-headed little creatures. As soon as the sun goes down, 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 down. As soon as the sun goes down, 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 down. Competition is a beautiful thing. Okay, so we open at the hospital where someone is lying to us. Who could that be, Rex? Joyce. Joyce? the show as a whole, because uh, they say, oh, we're going to go do a CAT scan, and that's an MRI machine. Um, They stick her in an MRI machine. As soon as I saw that, I'm like, that's not a CAT scan. Right? (laughs) So that's... Where's the lie? The, The lie is that that's not an MRI machine? Both Joyce and Buffy say CAT scan. Yep. Joyce, in the previous episode, said she was going to the hospital to get a CAT scan, and then it's not a CAT scan. It's an MRI. Oh, an MRI is a CAT scan. No. All right. What's the fucking difference? CAT scan is done with x-rays, and it's basically a series of pictures that circle around the head to do 3D imaging with x-rays. MRI is magnetic resonance imaging. So it uses a magnetic field to give 3D images. They're they're two completely different ways of doing 3D imaging in the brain. Gotcha. MRIs are better though, right? Yes. That's what I thought. Uh, MRIs are newer technology, I think. Yeah, that's that sounds correct. Um, but but you know. yeah, fun fact, uh, CAT scan stands for computerized axial tomography. I thought it was just because it's uh, called a CT scan, and I didn't know what CT stands for, and CT, it's just easier to say cat, I guess. Well, so CT... more fun, anyway. CT scan is computerized tomography. A CAT, cat scan, is a specific type of CT scan. Computerized axial tomography. It's, It's a specific use of the CT machine. Oh, boy. Well, anyway, Joyce is getting an MRI... Regardless, irregardless even, of whether or not she's using the proper machine for it. And uh, she's in good hands. I think she's going to be okay. (laughs) 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 Yeah, because doctors know what they're doing. (laughs) Yeah, that's how this works. And we don't know exactly what's going to happen several episodes from now at all. Hey, you can always put your faith in the U.S., you couldn't even say it with straight face, guys. I, can't even... <laughs> I mean, he's got a pretty crooked face to begin with. But... Oh fuck you! <laughs> I'm kind. I'm mostly symmetrical. I try not to look. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, did you want to finish that sentence? Or... I, what was I saying? I don't remember. So, Don's wondering <laughs> if it's named for being uh, tested on cats, or if the machine just looks like a cat. Both, yes. Yes, Don. Both. (laughs) Both legit questions as well. Uh, Nevertheless, Buffy rears back to verbally smack the shit out of Don just before realizing how adorably sad and innocent she is and instead comforts her with her now signature and ritualistic petting of the little sister that happens to be the key to the world not going all splody. (laughs) Pet the ticking time bomb. She's not a ticking time bomb. Well, but she's the key to a ticking time bomb. So 
there's that. I said I don't. I can't actually remember what she's a key yeah, to. Yeah, I don't know what is she the key to. Something we'll find out. Something that can be used for evil, not necessarily something that's implicitly evil. Maybe a portal or something. It's, it's something like keys that. Keys open doors and boxes, I, don't they? That's, I like that's I like portals. Work. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Cut to the magic box. Yes, where uh, we get to see the brand new half page uh, phone book ad that the magic box has mm. and hey josh remember phone books it's so pretty yeah it's in an actual phone book oh my god i didn't think anything could date this more than a fucking crt monitor but we already named an episode after that <laughs> so tara expertly makes giles completely self-conscious of his ads copy wording rightfully so it's a little clunky <laughs> but hey she's the expert at making people feel awkward and bad about oh, themselves yeah. She's also the actress as an author, so ah, yeah, she knows. Yeah, there you go. Well, okay, <laughs> she's not the expert at making other people feel bad, but she certainly knows how to make herself feel bad, and therefore by... I mean, if you know how to make one person feel bad, you can probably make other people feel bad. And yourself counts as one person. Yeah. So she didn't do it on purpose, <laughs> though, but nobody ever tries to make her feel bad on purpose, except for her family, but they're out of the picture permanently hopefully Yay. i wow i'm really running in circles on this one i don't hate tara she's cool <laughs> oh god don't kill me anyway enter the rest of the scoobies that is specifically xander willow and anya xander is complaining a little bit about riley rather loudly about riley yeah blowing up the entire crypt of vampires Without them, and not even waiting until morning, and he expects Giles to back him up. Quote of the day. Bringing me to my very first quote yes. of the day. Nomination. I'm going to start calling them quote of the day nominations. Uh, I feel like we should have done that a long time so, ago. So Xander said, Xander, after his big complaining, says Giles, am I right, Giles? I'm almost certain you're not. But to be fair... I wasn't listening. <laughs> this is so, like, I've been kind of waiting for this, this line. This is a, a very iconic Giles to Xander line. It's a good one. Yeah. he's He's got a couple that are up there, but this one I think takes the cake thus far. Honestly, Xander's point is good. It actually fuck, is. Riley, that was dumb. For a change, it kind of is. But uh, Tara tells Anya about the ad who gets all excited because she expects herself to be mentioned in the ad. Again, yes. again, being dashed down by a rather brutal Mr. Giles. Uh, I guess he's just lashing out because he was so upset by what Tara said about his copy. <laughs> a little bit. A little so, bit. Uh, Xander and Willow run the story past Giles again, and he's more on the side of, less work for you, what's the problem? Uh, which actually brings me to the second nomination of a quote of the day. Oh. Yes, from Anya. When, when uh, Giles is like, oh, that seems like, good, you didn't have to do anything. Anya replies with, that's what I've been saying. I mean, I, for one, didn't want to start my day with a slaughter, which really goes to show how I've grown. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I forgot about that. That's, oh, that was, this one's, this episode's full of lovely, oh, it, yeah. lovely quotes. So and anytime we get an episode where there's a lot of, like, the Scoobies are kind of hanging out and doing research. Mm -hmm. it it's, gets... it's yeah, they, they're like, oh, well, since there's not going to be much action going on in this episode, let's get really, really fucking clever with it, the word. It gets quippy fast. Yeah. And so then they're all recruited to continue helping research who and what in the hell is Buffy's mystery woman, whom we all know to be Glory. 
But the Scoobies do not as of yet. That is correct. That is correct indeed. And the answer is yes. (laughs) In perfect Scooby form, as we hear Xander pontificate on the likely whereabouts of glory, such as a rat-infested warehouse, or perhaps a sewer, or perhaps a condemned church, we get a classic Buffyverse segue to none of those things. Yes. I don't know if this is supposed to be like a hotel suite or like some manor or something. I felt exactly the same way, but if you recall the very end of the episode, she's in a fucking mansion. Yeah. like It's practically a castle where she's looking out of the window. We finally see the exterior of the building she's staying in. Because I thought it was like either a pretty decent apartment or a condo or something, a hotel, I don't know. Super fucking expensive, especially in goddamn California. Yeah. And super fucking nice. Not a rat infested den. Certainly not. Uh, Definitely a super normal and if anything posh looking suite of sorts. And then we meet Dreg. Yeah. (sighs) Like, okay, I get what they're going with. Or I get what they're going for with this character and this dynamic between these two. But Uh it got old three fucking lines in. It really did. I forgot that this is a thing in this season, and uh-huh. I'm like, oh, God. Oh, God. It really reminded me of that character from Bands of Mourning, whose culture it is that they're supposed to worship this certain character, and he's constantly trying to make up these ridiculous honorifics. Oh, yeah. And that's exactly what this guy is doing, and I'm wondering if that's where Brandon Sanderson got that from. But, I mean, all good things are stolen, and also I trust that Brandon mm-hmm. Sanderson is more original than that. There's also no new ideas. Yeah, that too. But, yeah. So it, that's the game they're playing at. It's it's really not worth rehashing out all the shit that he says. Yeah, the, the only thing that he says through all of this that I got a little bit of a chuckle was... Um, as he's talking and thing? talking, yeah, yeah. He, he says, rip out my inadequate tongue... And then when Glory's like, here, give it here, he, like, walks over and sticks his tongue out. Yeah. Rather than, and he's like, oh, no, you just wanted the scroll But she's not talking <laughs> about his tongue, she's like, the scroll, okay. And it, it made me chuckle. Yeah, it was, it was chuckle-worthy, definitely. But, irregardless. Fucking quit it. <laughs> You're gonna give me a goddamn aneurysm. Yes, yes I am. And then the podcast will be mine, all mine. <laughs> it's my evil plan. Half your jokes are... Done in a way that you specifically are trying to stress me out. Like, like, how are you going to do a podcast without that? Yeah, I don't know anybody else that's as easy to stress out as you. Damn. Huh. You have no choice but to keep me alive for this shit. Uh, if you say so. I'll let you believe that for a while. <laughs> Fuck you. All right. So anyway, this rando fucking demon. What's his name again? Dreg. Dreg. He's working very hard on surgically implanting his entire being as far into Glory's digestive tract as she'll allow. (laughs) And he's bringing her this spell scroll, and he's all, Oh, your face is as sweet as a summer's day. Your voice is as golden as your face is flowery. Your bunghole is as glorious as the face of a baby bunny, you know, if you're into that sort of thing. Um, (laughs) By the way, the spell is old as fuck, and it'll only work for you if you have the right shit. She's like, oh, I'll have it all right. Stomps over to the fucking yellow pages in the goddamn phone book. Rips out 
Giles's magic box ad from the Yellow Pages, laughs maniacally like a fucking cartoon villain. I'll have them, yes. <laughs> Why does everyone in fucking TV shows and movies rip pages out of the goddamn phone book? Well, it's her own phone book, to be fair. It's not. But what if you need to use that later? <laughs> well, then she's got it uh, separately filed so she knows exactly where it is. But what if there's something on, like, the backside that you're going to want later? Well, then she's fucked. I don't know. Yeah. They give you another phone book every fucking six months anyway. They used do you, to. Do you know how many phone books I went through without ever using them? Most of them. Well, yeah. <laughs> Pretty much everything past 95. Never used it. I can't even remember the last time I looked up anything in a phone book. I was a small child the last time I legitimately tried to look up somebody in a phone book. For residential purposes. And it worked. <laughs> I found a, I found a number and a name and an address in this giant book that they left on her doorstep, and it was a person I knew. Isn't that weird? <laughs> and they actually answered, and I didn't have to convince them that I wasn't a telemarketer. Well, this guy wants to fight with weapons. I've got it covered from A to Z, from axe to the other axe. I'm fairly certain I said no interruptions. Cut over to finish up the opening credits. We land at Buffy's house where Riley notices the latch on the front door is busted or at least... No, no. The door's just open. Just ajar. Okay. Yeah, the door is ajar. And uh, he goes up to Buffy's room where he catches himself a spike. It is spike. It is spike. It is spike. It is spike. Spike. Specifically a spike being impressively creepy. Yeah, a little creepier than usual, but it's forgivable because it's Spike. I No, no. Everybody's favorite evil teddy bear. He can sniff my sweaters any day. <laughs> Nobody wants to sniff your sweaters. <laughs> Ouch. You don't even want to sniff your sweaters. I mean, you don't know that. Oh, yeah. Nobody wants to smell their own B.O. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You hey, whatever you're into. You basically just called me undesirable, and uh, I'm going to use the word irregardless so much more now. <laughs> like you weren't going to anyway. I, I, I wasn't going to use it ad nauseum. Irregardless, Rex. I must irregardlessly use it irregardlessly more now. Oh, irregardless. <laughs> so... <sighs> so he's huffing her sweater. <laughs> oh my. And Riley inquires as to his presence. Spike plays the I'm rubber, your glue card, buying him a precious <laughs> few moments to think over how the fuck he's going to get out of this one. And uh, Riley quips, looking for the girl who's going to rip your arms off when she finds out you were in her bedroom. And then he calls out Spike on being a horny sweater sniffer. Uh, irregardless, Spike plays it off as, oh, it's it's just a predator thing, you know, you you know, know your enemy and all that. <laughs> Quarter of the day nomination number two. Spike, in response to Riley, were you just sniffing her sweater, says, no. Well, yeah, all right, I, I did. It's, uh, 
It's a predator thing. Nothing wrong with that. It's just know your enemy. Scent. Wet the appetite for a hunt. Sniffs it again. Ah, that's the stuff. Slayer musk. It's bitter and <laughs> aggravating. <laughs> Riley's like, all right, irregardless. Fuck this shit. Drags him downstairs. You'll never fucking call me undesirable ever again. You think I can't keep this up? Fuck you. Riley drags him downstairs, irregardless. Sprake brings up a good point that Buffy wouldn't care if she knew that he was there because she never had his invitation into the house revoked. Which, you know, that's kind of a valid point. Irregardless. <sighs> would it help if I apologize? No, it, it wouldn't. You just, you made your bed, boss. God damn it. I'm not even mad anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, he makes a very good point. Here like, what? <laughs> <laughs> My only concern is you're going to derail me almost every fucking time. Uh, no. No. <laughs> Spike makes a fairly valid point that... They've never revoked his invite into the house, and why is that? And he's basically needling at Riley this whole fucking scene oh, about, like... outright taunting him. And, you know, he mentions how he spent last evening hanging out with Buffy, getting drinks, having a good old time. And so Riley grasps at straws here, because Spike's like, now why do you think she wouldn't do that? And he's like, well, because you're harmless. And now Spike just has him by the balls. Yeah. Mr. Who just lost their superpowers and is harmless. Oh, yeah. the the argument runs two ways down the street, boss. And <laughs> Don't uh, insult people with what you are, in fact, insecure about. So Spike <laughs> literally, okay, figuratively, but literally, obviously that's a whole different script that you can find over at www.beerwithbuffy.com slash slashers. <laughs> okay, I'm just kidding. Fuck, now I have to do that, don't uh, I? Yeah, probably. Oh, shit. <laughs> so, all right. Spike taunts Riley and pokes him right in his biggest insecurity, the one where he knows Buffy doesn't love him near as much as he loves her, or suspects anyway, and that's just as bad. Insecurity yeah. can fuck a lot of things up, except Spike puts words to it. Yeah. He calls Riley not dark enough. To Riley's credit, he grabs Spike and holds him outside in the sunlight. To Spike's credit, he keeps squeezing on Riley's insecurity uh, sack ruthlessly. <laughs> even though and it fucking works. <laughs> yeah. Even though Riley could easily kill him right here and right now. But Riley, wanting Spike's information, doesn't do that. Because Spike's not a fucking idiot. Right. I mean, he's ballsy. He's ready to die at any given point in time. But I don't... Like, okay, okay, okay. I understand that they have plot and actor contracts and all that shit. Mm -hmm. And they're like, okay, we're transitioning from having Riley on the show to having Spike on the show as the love interest. I get all that. I get all the background, behind-the-scenes reasons why this is. However, why the fuck hasn't anyone killed Spike yet? It's, it's kind of at the point where it's getting unbelievable to me that right. he's not fucking... Like, right here, right here, 
Riley should fucking kill Spike. Absolutely. It's the only fuck like him not killing Spike does not make any fucking sense for the character or how his headspace is right now. Yeah. His protectiveness of Buffy, his own insecurity, the fact that Spike is a vampire at all, irregardless of having a chip in his head. Also, the fact that later in the episode, Riley kills another vampire in a fucked up way. It's like, it just tracks that he would kill Spike right here. Absolutely. I mean, this reminds me so much of The Walking Dead, because I spent a solid two seasons going, Why the fuck haven't they killed Negan? They had ample opportunity yep. before he took all of their guns. Yep. <laughs> the moment where he knocked down the door and said, little pig, little pig, let me in. Which, by the way, gave me a real funny boner. Because... Uh, <laughs> Jeffrey Dean Morgan is a sexy, sexy motherfucker. I just imagine you watching that and it happens and you look down and you're like, well, that's just weird. Hey, 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 hey. You, you boys behave yourself. Now, now, now. But that moment right there, sorry, this is a, this is a walking dead tangent, but it's relevant, I swear. He could have just shot Negan right through that fucking door. Yeah. And they had a way better chance of winning that war right there and then with their weapons than at any point in the plot after that. My whole point is the answer is there's nothing in the plot where you're ever going to find legitimate reason that they didn't kill this character, but they're profitable. They're popular and they yeah. just weren't going to fucking do it. And I know you already said you understand that. Just thought I'd reinforce right. it. Right. And... I guess my whole point of bringing this up is, dear writers, <laughs> fucking quit it. Like, if you're going to have characters like this that you're like, okay, we cannot kill this character off. We have to keep him here. Don't fucking put scenes like this in that the only fucking course of action that makes sense is that character being killed off. Yeah, regardless. <laughs> they, they don't have to. They're making so much fucking money off of it. They can get away with it. Know, and that kind but... of thing is always going to make this shit happen again and again and again and again. But I agree with your sentiment. Hey, writers, shame on you for not holding up your integrity in moments like this. Yeah, and you giving can write us a better story. Some sort of legitimate reason to believe that this character wouldn't kill this other character. Really, all it is, all it is, I think what would have fixed this scene is Riley didn't kick kick the blanket out let's say spike lives fine he figures out some way to not burst into flames once he's thrown out the fucking porch he was wearing his coat he'd have been fine yeah i would have been fine with it well you know what here maybe this will make you feel better regardless <laughs> <laughs> no josh that doesn't make me that, feel better that didn't help no that's so weird <laughs> Fucking words like nails on a goddamn chalkboard. Gosh, man. a doodle do. Gosh, a doodle do. Goddamn right. <laughs> Gosh, <laughs> no, but really, maybe this will make you feel better. Gosh, a doodle do reads like a fucking <laughs> Christian kid swearing when he can't. Gosh, a doodle do. I will wash your mouth out with soap, you little fucker. Oops. Uh. <laughs> do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> anyway, no, I think. This is a sign of Riley's integrity 
as much as he hates Spike and as bad of a headspace as he is in, he knows that Spike is right and he's more worried about Buffy and why she didn't tell him this shit that Spike knows and he doesn't. And he's more likely to get in more trouble if Spike is right than otherwise. I still think it would have been a little bit on the funny side if he just dusted Spike. And then when Buffy's like, huh, Spike hasn't been around in forever. He's not in his lair anymore. Where did he go? And Riley's just like, I have no fucking clue. That's weird. He just vanished. No, I I would love it <laughs> if Riley started living a double life where he has this blonde wig and a leather coat. <laughs> and she can't tell the difference. <laughs> Even though he's, like, over half a foot taller than Spike. He's not that much taller. He's, like, four or five he inches. He feels like the jolly green giant next to fucking James Marsters. My God. Who, by the way, is about my height. So the height difference between Riley and James Marsters is our it's height probably difference. our height difference. Yeah. yeah. So that's fun. I'm not in your room. I'm in the hallway. The hallway doesn't belong to you. Mom, I can stand in the hallway, right? Sharon's older brother knows a girl who died because she choked on her boyfriend's tongue. So, yeah, we've dwelled on that enough. Yeah. Uh, uh, irregardless. Back to, uh, back to the hospital. <laughs> Riley goes to see Buffy, as uh, we forgot to mention that Spike told Riley that Buffy was at the hospital. Mm-hmm. Uh, Buffy's about to enter the exam room or whatnot to get the news from her mom about what the fuck's going on. There's a, a nice little moment here. Where Riley's, you know, he wants to comfort her. And, you know, that makes sense. He should want to comfort her. But, you know, she doesn't have a whole lot of time to be comforted. She's got to fucking wear the pants in the family. She's an important woman. She's got shit to do. She's the only one holding all this shit together. Yeah. She tries to make an excuse for why she didn't tell him what's going on. But he forgives her before she even finishes her sentence. And that's nice and everything. But it feels a little dismissive. Yeah. So she goes in to talk to Joyce, and the doctor runs off to check the on the availability of the operating room because, yep. drumroll, Joyce has a shadow in her brain. It's a brain shadow. Ta-da! They said it. They said the title of the episode, Rex. Yeah. What do we have for her? Nothing. Oh, well, irregardless, uh, it's, no, it's, it's actually potentially a huge problem, but the doctors are telling her... It's too early to worry. Got to do a biopsy first. Yeah, too early to be concerned. Like, I understand why doctors say that, but don't they get that that doesn't fucking help shit? Yeah. You have a thing in your brain that's not supposed to be there, but we're not going to worry about and it. You had Let's a, not worry about you it. You had enough symptoms to convince us rock-headed piece of shits to actually check. But don't worry. Yeah. Nothing to worry about. You'll be fine. Nothing to be concerned about. <laughs> Let's go stab you in the brain. You'll be fine. We, we do this all the time. <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> we do this all the time sometimes. When it's, uh, when it's prudent. When we feel we need to and when your insurance company feels we need to. Yeah. yeah. And only when your insurance company feels we need to do we do it. Uh, if we feel we need to, but your insurance company doesn't agree with us, we can't do shit and you're just going to die. Yeah, money so, talks, really. Yeah. Life, you live in California and you own your own house in California, so you probably have enough money to actually get this medical care. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're good. We'll go ahead and stab you in the brain. The insurance company will pay for it. We got this. We got you. <laughs> Girl, don't you even sweat. 
You're rich and white enough. <laughs> yeah. No, you just made me really sad, though. It's all yeah, right. Sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> cut to the magic box, where they're all like, you know, you know what? Fuck all this reading, says Tara. Maybe this <laughs> bitch is so old that she predates language. <laughs> Xander's like, woot, woot. Well, I'm done with all this reading. Yeah, fuck that. Fuck that. <laughs> I love that everyone jumps on this train as fast as fucking possible. Choo, like, choo. <laughs> since we can't find anything in the books about this person that we have the vaguest idea of what they fucking look like and have no clue whatsoever any tangible information about this person, let's assume that she predates anything that we could possibly Even know. Giles is like, oh dear, I hadn't thought of that. I do suppose we're completely fucked, aren't we? She could be anyone, anywhere. And then Glory, from right behind Giles, is like, hey fuckers, sell me this shit. I need you to, I need to buy some worthless shit from you pathetic mortals. I mean... Thank you. <laughs> oh my god, I'm way too pretty to not be getting worshipped right now. And you are seriously putting a delay on that, so chop chop, Limey. <laughs> I mean, I like limes. Irregardless, I have a quote of the day. <laughs> Nomination. <laughs> I'm wearing them down, guys. <laughs> Giles says she could be anywhere, but if she is as powerful as uh, Buffy says, I imagine it won't be long before she makes herself known. Yeah. Yeah. Not a completely prolific quote of the day. I guess I just like Giles. I'm not sure why I marked that one down. So, <laughs> Well, it is Giles. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so he sells her a couple of things with a big old goofy smile on his face. And she because fucks off. Because capitalism. Because capitalism. <laughs> and she fucks off. And yes. everybody's hap, hap, happy. Kind of. Mostly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Hey, they don't need to read anymore, so that's something to be happy yeah, about. Yeah, they've got so much extra free time now. Yeah. Now they have time to worry. <laughs> <laughs> so, cut back over to the hospital. Yes, where the doctor comes out to inform Buffy of Joyce's condition and the situation. And then... Just to see what condition my condition was in. to completely fucking violate the hell out of HIPAA. Oh, well, uh, I bet you 50 bucks Buffy is has power of attorney, medical Ooh, power of attorney. Because I have medical power of attorney over my mom because she set that up in her will. Well, that isn't the part that's violating HIPAA. The part that's violating HIPAA is, hey, I'm going to talk at a normal conversation volume in a quiet waiting room where everyone else within Hearshot can hear me tell you all about your mother's diagnosis. Yeah, that's a film thing. They definitely should have gone into a private room for that. Fucking irritates me. <laughs> but yeah, film. so Joyce has low-grade glioma. Long story short, it's a tumor. Yes. It's not a tumor. Actually, it, actually, it is a tumor. It, it very much is a tumor. It's not a tumor. Uh, specifically, it is a tumor in the uh, glia cells, which are the cells that insulate and nourish your neurons. Oh, dear. Yes. Oh, that's that's the worst. <laughs> it's not good. That is that is a bad tumor. It's probably not the worst, but it's, it's not good. Now, I could not find any information on how survivable it actually is. 
back then and 21 years ago. Mm -hmm. But today. Um, But today, you pretty much have like a 75% survival rate. Oh, well, that's better than one third. Yes. Which is what he said. And it was clearly... It was currently in a state of uh, a rapidly changing situation on their amount of research, because even in the episode, he says, if you'd been diagnosed with this even a year ago, it basically would have been a death sentence. And that's kind of the case with the mass majority of cancers in the early 2000s. Mm. The state of knowledge revolving around cancer was rapidly changing at that Hmm. time. And I mean, it still is changing, but early 2000s was a lot of fucking medical research about cancer going on. Either way, a one-third survival rate, or as he put, or as he puts it, one-third of the people diagnosed with this are just fine. So we don't know if the other two-thirds die or if they just have horrible, weird breakdowns uh, mentally or what. And I, I didn't, I couldn't find the actual percentages on this, but there's apparently several grades of this because the actual diagnosis is oligodendroglioma and apparently there's several grades of this and one grade you have like a three-year chance like you'll have like three years but another grade you could have like another 12 years Hmm. or more so there's like different levels as a prognosis and expected survival time okay the idea that the doctor paints here is that there's still a lot of information they don't know they don't even know if it's operable at all so you know, Buffy freaks out and fucks off because she's just not ready to sit and have this whole technical conversation answering questions about Joyce's cell phone usage and proximity yeah. to power lines. And luckily... She mentally checks the fuck out of that conversation and the doctor, being a doctor, yeah. does not realize that, oh, maybe, maybe she doesn't want to have this conversation now. So happy, sensitive Ben the intern steps in and it's like, hey, doc... You're wanted, you know, somewhere else. Fuck off. Hey, you there. Fuck off. (laughs) And when you get there, continue fucking off. But, you know, be a doctor while you're doing it. Yes. Uh, He is a good doctor. He's just a bit thick. Yeah. So Buffy takes Ben's advice and fucks off to go take a break, hard air quotes. But she's really looking for a healing spell. And she puts Riley on dawn duty to, you know, take her to school, tell her to meet up at the magic shop later. Oh, also in classic Buffyverse form, she, of course, tells Riley to lie to Dawn and tell her that they don't know anything about Joyce yeah. yet. I, I do also want to mention that when after Ben leaves the scene, Buffy walks over to Riley. Riley hugs her. She goes, oh, it's bad. And Riley's like, I know. And all I, the, immediately when he said that, I'm like, of course you know, Riley. The doctor was talking <laughs> loud enough for you to hear. <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> Riley is very definitely not Joyce's power of attorney. No, and he was all of 10 feet away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm surprised that he wasn't sitting there for the conversation. Anyway, right. neither here nor there. Irregardless, one might say. <laughs> oh, God. I'm killing him slowly, everybody. Anyway, yeah. Buffy wants to go find a healing spell. And he tells Riley to take Dawn to school. Because, you know, when your little sister, who's 15, has been awake all night in a hospital waiting room, the first thing she needs to do is go to fucking school. To Riley's credit, skipping a scene here, he doesn't take her to school. (laughs) (laughs) So he's a very sensitive man. He doesn't take her directly to school. I'm I'm not sure that any school happened in there at all, but we can discuss that at a later date. There's a great deal of myth about Dracula. 
imagine the trick to defeating him lies in separating the fact from the fiction. What kind of an unholy creature fancies cheap, tasteless statuary? Cut over to the magic box. Where Anya is going through some, the receipts of the day. And she's freaking out. Freaking the fuck out, I'm man. freaking out here, guys. Like, <laughs> like you guys. Giles totally sold something bogus. <laughs> and it wasn't my sandwich. Thank God. Like, Scoob, you want some sandwich? <laughs> you haven't done this. Thank you, Shane. You haven't done this. The shaggy impression. It's been a minute. I know. I've I missed it. Uh, but yeah, when she's she's freaking out and everyone walks over and uh, Anya accuses Giles of being stupid or something, and Giles <laughs> quote of the day <laughs> uh, nomination for a quote of the day here. Giles replies with, "Allow me to answer that question with a firing." <laughs> <laughs> That's right up there with the first one. Yeah. Oh my god, that was glorious. <laughs> it was. Glorificus, <laughs> one might even say. Oh, oh dear, I slay me. Oh, oh Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, but, vampire. but Anya is not deterred by, you know, the chances of losing her job because she knows she is right and she quickly lays it out for Giles that hmm, maybe you fucked up, boy. And she's got Xander there to mediate. Yeah. Like he's her five-year-old. That he has to run around apologizing for. I like that his response to her freaking out is essentially that they had a specific conversation about the things that she cannot say to Giles. And this particularly falls under category five. I want to know. I want to hear this whole conversation. Yes. I want to know the whole list. Uh, Jesus. <laughs> what are the crackers. things that she can't say to Giles? <laughs> Yeah, Xander mediates the situation like the grizzled veteran that he is, being a man dating a woman with even less social skills than his own. But uh, which is impressive, honestly. It is like <laughs> those two are so socially inept. It's kind of amazing that they ever started dating in the first place. Well, I mean, from this perspective, yes. And then you remember it was basically just her saying, "I don't understand why we can't just fuck," and, and him saying. Yes, please. I don't understand how they didn't end up getting married the next day <laughs> in Vegas. <laughs> well, they were teenagers. Yeah, that's true. I think that's the only reason they're not married yet. They're also not that far from Vegas. Like they could, no, they're really they could not. take a bus there in less than a day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but Anya found that the objects sold were a Cool's amulet and a Sobekian bloodstone. And Giles is like, oh, not to worry. <laughs> Those were used by ancient Egyptian cults that were into dark magic and the transmogrification spells were lost thousands of years ago. And that young woman would have had to have had enormous power. Oh, God, that was glory. And I've soiled myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, he's probably the, the sort that keeps like several changes of clothes in the back just for such occasions. I could imagine so. Yeah. I mean, psh, I keep an extra pair of underwear in my backpack at all times. Well, you know, I've always said never trust an adult who can't admit that they have at least once in their adult life shat their pants. <laughs> <laughs> Moving along. <laughs> not, we're not going to talk about that at all today. <laughs> Cut to a carousel. Yes, where Riley, in fact, did not take Dawn to school. He took her to the park for 
Ice cream. Yeah, at least he didn't take her to school yet. I think he does after this. Yes. But in the meantime, he needed to take her to the most obvious and sad-ass goddamn place he could possibly find. I'm a little disturbed that there's a lot of children around for being a morning on a school day. Were there? Yeah. I didn't notice any other people around. I just noticed there that were, there like, was people an... on the carousel. I didn't see anybody on the carousel. It looked totally empty to me. But maybe I was imagining it. Maybe you were. I'd have to go back and rewatch because I don't recall seeing any other people in that scene. So here's the fun of this scene. Dawn obviously is sad and Riley's trying to cheer her up and he's he's doing a pretty decent job. But she actually mentions that she knows this carousel because when they first moved to Sunnydale, she got had her 10th birthday here. And Joyce rented the carousel for like a full, a, hour. a full hour, but they had just moved to Sunnydale, so Dawn didn't have any friends, and it was just them riding the carousel. Mm-hmm. But here's the fun tidbit. Do you know when Dawn's, quote, birthday is? No. Or what she be- believes her birthday is? No. It's in March. Okay. The first episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer aired March 10th. Hmm. This is season five. <laughs> She's 15. Yeah. Her 16th birthday is coming up later this season. Okay. But they specifically did the math so that they were living in Sunnydale for like two weeks when Dawn had her first birthday. Well, when Dawn had her 10th birthday anyway. I meant her first birthday in Sunnydale. Right. So it makes perfect sense that she wouldn't have made any friends yet. I see. But they actually like... That's good math. Yeah. It works. Math works, motherfuckers. Fuck a doodle do. So regardless of that, one might even say ear regardless of that. One might say ear beat you with a stick. (laughs) (laughs) In the ear. Yes. So besides all that being super awkward, maybe since the spell the monks did had to make up all of these memories that they're having about this girl that didn't actually exist at these times. They were just being super lazy and didn't want to make up a bunch of relationship stories about other random people. (laughs) They're like, you know, we only have like two dozen people that we can give memories to. Right. So I'm I'm sorry to say, Don, but you're going to have been a very lonely child. <laughs> yes, exactly. Because <laughs> what if she tries to go back? Like, how far can this spell actually reach? Yeah. Can it, you interact with so many people throughout your life. Can it affect an indefinite amount of people? Or it seems like it would really only be able to affect this yeah. bubble of people, you know? It would fascinate me if they found out that there was no record of Dawn having been in school before Sunnydale, even. Like, they, right. they only had a finite, like, distance that they could even write. Right. Or they could walk oh, into the grocery that... store and the spell would have missed a certain teller that's working there and they'd be like, you didn't have a daughter last month. Right? Where'd you get a daughter, an extra daughter? Like, <laughs> did they have to individually account for every person they were implanting memories into? I would think that's... so. That would be a fascinating thing to explore. Yeah, because I'm just thinking the amount of magic that it would take and the amount of people that would need to be affected to properly instill that kind of backstory. What if, what if instead of it being a spell that implanted chosen memories, 
they basically they basically set it up so that they're like, okay, the spell's entire purpose is to just make the key into a person that is the most important person to Buffy that she could possibly be. So here's my fucking theory. If the spell is designed to make Dawn the most important person to Buffy so that Buffy feels the need to protect Dawn for fucking everything, Mm -hmm. the spell gives Joyce cancer. Because if Joyce has cancer, your little sister is even more important to you. Yep, they did it on purpose. Might as well be canon. Definitely. That is a cruel fucking twist. Yeah. And I like it. And that lives in my head. That's my head canon for the show from now on. The fucking monks who created Dawn killed Joyce. Those monks are dicks. Yeah. But the greater good. <laughs> the greater good. So anyway, Dawn isn't stupid. She can tell something's wrong. Oh, yeah. And Riley tries to make her feel better by telling her, oh, Summer's women are tough. Don't worry. Everything's going to be just fine. I fucking hate it when anybody ever fucking gives this placating, oh, it's going to be fine. No, it fucking you don't fucking know that you can't know that you can't know that but uh you know it's it's what people do it's instilled into our culture so it's wrong though and it should be something we eject from our culture i partially agree so don tries to return the favor by (laughs) telling riley how much less buffy cries with him than she did with angel And uh, how much less she gets worked up over him in general compared to Angel. It doesn't quite hit how Dawn meant it to. Yeah, not so much. (laughs) Definitely another one of those classic Dawn moments where she has no idea how the ramifications of what she's saying could land poorly. And yet, there it goes. Because obviously Riley reads this as Buffy's not not nearly invested in me. The way that she was with Angel. Absolutely. And, and I, I really don't see any reason why he couldn't take it exactly the way Dawn meant it in that he's emotionally more healthy for her. Oh, no. Like, she's right. Dawn is completely right. Riley is much better for Buffy. With some exceptions, of course. And at this stage, I'm of the mind that all the fucking problems in the Buffy-Riley relationship are all on Riley. Oh, yeah. Buffy cares greatly about him, but for fuck's sake, look what's going on in her life right now. He's letting his toxic masculinity and insecurity completely get in the way of seeing his relationship with her properly. Yeah. And I think he is kind of expecting things to be a little too serious, a little too fast. I don't yeah. know. I have I have lots to say on this topic at the end of the episode. Sure. We'll okay. get there. So she tacks on that he's been really good for her, but that's just not good enough for old Riley Flynn. No sorry, Borb. Feel free to tell me if this next part gets a little too personal because I'm told I have boundary issues. But I'm a part. I am great. I am beautiful. I'm lucky to all eyes turn to me because my name is a holy name. You will listen. Cut back to the magic shop. Yes, where Buffy is asking the Scoobs if there is some mystical cure that they can have for Joyce. And, you know, because magic solves all problems. That That's what the show has taught us, right? 
Uh, absolutely. Well, <laughs> some, if not, you know, for the amount of extra problems that it creates. But long story short, Buffy gets double bad news. Yeah. <laughs> a, if you mix medicine and magic, you're going to have a bad time. Yeah. And B, Glory was here. Yeah. Oh, shit. And uh, you're going to have a bad time. <laughs> Either way, today's a bad day. Yeah. You know, your mom got cancer, magic can't help, and you know... Glory knows where we are. Current arch nemesis is hunting you like a dog. Yeah. Or at the very least, patronizing your business. But my my favorite part, though, is the way everyone tees Anya up for this. Because they're like, well, if you, if you mix magic and healing, it's going to make things worse. And Anya's like, yeah, like Giles made everything worse today. <laughs> Look what Giles did. He's a dumbass. Yeah, and they do this bit where they're all like, ha, 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 she's not talking about anything. She's talking about how clumsy she was. Remember that thing yeah. that you broke? That's the thing that happened today, right? And what really tips off Buffy is when Anya catches on. That's how thick it was that yeah. Anya caught on to something nonverbal. Yeah. <laughs> Something well, and subtextual. Also, I'll give Anya credit. She lies better than I can. <laughs> she can't lie for shit. No. <laughs> Buffy sees right through that. Almost as if there's nothing there to obfuscate. Nothing there whatsoever. And so uh, Buffy freaks out. Oh, no. It must have been all violent and stuff if Glory was here. Giles is like, uh, not really. <laughs> it's fine. Everything's fine. Huh? <laughs> well, then what dastardly foul deeds did she commit to steal away with such foul magics and the likes of which no doubt were heavily guarded and strongly protected by this crack team of expert occultists? Ah, uh, yes. Well, you see, uh, she may have walked in, brought them to the counter, and... I rang her up like a proper customer, you see. It was evil! Positively evil! <laughs> I may never recover! But luckily, Anya quickly changes the subject at Terra's prompting. Again. Yes. Uh, I do have one quote nomination here, Giles says, almost kind of under his breath at, at the very tail end of this, he's like, well, if it's any consolation, I may have overcharged her. <laughs> <laughs> it made me feel a little better. Yeah. Uh, the bitch is rich. You should try to charge mean, her at least twice. At least, if you're gonna be a capitalist, <laughs> at least overcharge the evil people. Seriously, three hundred, four hundred percent markup minimum. Yeah, minimum. <laughs> so Anya's like, but guess what? This ancient Egyptian cult called the Sobekites were reptile worshippers, and their high priest Cool forged an amulet with a transmogrophy crystal. <laughs> to which Jaws responds. Something along the lines of, obviously, I'm paraphrasing here. Ah, and the markings on the bloodstone I sold her were of a cobra. So, yes. long story short, <laughs> she's going to make a cobra monster. Yep. Which is, what kind of reptile? Rex? I didn't bother to look it up. I'm bad with the wiki, you see. I need it's to hear. Is it? I think you mispronounced it, Rex. I need to hear it again. I don't think I mispronounced shit. <laughs> it's fucking snake. It's a little louder. A little louder. I can't. It's a fucking snake. It's a snake? <laughs> God 
damn it. Fuck you. Oh my god, it's <sighs> that it's such a crazy random happenstance. Why is there a snake in this episode, Rex? She's gonna make a snake monster. By the way, it is a snake because it was originally supposed to be an amorphous blob sort of monster. And then (laughs) some fucking production asshole was like, hey, guys, how about we do a big snake? Yeah, because they haven't done that before. To be fair, it is a better snake. It is a better looking snake monster than Snake Boy was. Yeah, Snake Boy. This was basically their shot at being forgiven for Snake Boy. Yes. Like, can we do it right, guys, now that we have a better budget? Yeah. And uh, so Buffy's like, okay, I'm going to go misplace some aggression and try to kill her and the stupid snake. And Giles is like, wait, no, don't. And there she goes. What even started the whole snake bit? I don't remember. I don't remember either. <laughs> I don't even know how long Some, it's been going on Something anymore. about people sneaking around. I'm pretty sure it snur- started in the episode Sneakity Snacks. Well, I, I'm assuming. about six episodes ago. God damn. <laughs> and, <sighs> and I had no idea this episode was coming. <laughs> I know. <laughs> anyway, cut to the zoo where uh, Glory and Drag are starting the ritual. <laughs> Her minion of the week and glory smash into the cobra exhibit. I'm sorry, I forgot what kind of animal is a cobra. I can't remember. I'm really bad at this. I'm a little drunk, a little inebriated on my alcoholic yoo-hoo It's a limbless reptile. A limbless reptile. God, I feel like there's a word for that. (laughs) There might be. (laughs) I'm not sure what it is. Let's continue. Hmm. Oh, that's right. It's a snake. And Glory's all, oh my God, snake. I finally get to have a snake demon monster pet husband. And it's going to be fucking snaky and amazing. And you can't stop me, drag. Try to stop me, drag. Uh, drag I will isn't fucking end to stop you. Her. Drag's not trying to stop her. He's helping. Oh, right. He's probably nearly all the way through her upper intestine at this point. Oh, yeah. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Enter Buffy, who tries to stop her. How the fuck did Buffy figure out where they were? Where like, are you going to find a cobra in the city? I guess. A fucking zoo. They're not in the wild there, I don't uh, think. I don't think so. I think that was honestly one of the better random leaps of logic that they've made. I mean, it's definitely not nearly as bad as a lot of leaps of logic that they've had. Exactly. They've We've had way worse, and I was able to buy this one. Like, the, the leap of logic of, oh, she's older than language itself yeah. was much worse than this. Okay. I haggled it down to $1.95, but I still bought it. <laughs> I... <laughs> I was like, $20, guys, try again. (laughs) I know what you pay for these wholesale. (laughs) So you can haggle at the Plot Hole Emporium? Goddamn right you can. (laughs) Good to know. It's rude if you don't. Oh, okay. Uh, That makes sense. (laughs) So... So Buffy tries to stop Glory. And Glory kicks her ass. Glory's like, um, I don't think you heard my paraphrasing narrator well enough just now, but I'm pretty sure he made me say, you can't stop me. <laughs> and and while they're fighting, she's like, you there, ugly one. Not you, Slayer, the other ugly one. Keep <laughs> chanting while I whip this bitch into the snack cage. So Dreg makes his big old adorable snack monster and Glory just loves it. 
absolutely in love with it because it is an adorable snake. And it's also life-size. It's a very fuckable I mean, snake. It's it's bigger than life-size because life-size is like a normal-size snake. Sure. Yeah, so Buffy, as soon as the snake like becomes a, a big giant snake monster, Buffy's like, you know what? Fuck this. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> she just runs. Yeah. Well, you know, after getting the shit kicked yeah. out of her and being launched into a former snack cage, she nopes the fuck out of there. And uh, Glory just falls in love with her snacky boy. She's like, Snake, you owe me because I like gave you life and shit. So go be a good little sneakity snake and find the key for me and stuff. Yeah, and pretty much. And the snack's like, I'm a snake. So, in this episode... I'm a snake, right? In this episode, we get a lot of CGI of the snake. And for being TV... You're mispronouncing my name, the, Rex. It's a snake. I didn't even fucking say that word. Snake. You said snake. You, but you said you said it the mean way. It doesn't sound right when you say it, Rex. It sounds, I don't care. It sounds racist. <laughs> The giant fucking cobra monster. Snake. <laughs> uh, so we get a, a good amount of CGI with it. <laughs> I'm really trying hard not to be derailed here. Go on. Irregardless, Rex. We get a good amount of CGI of the monster. I can't uh, choose a beverage. <laughs> okay, that one's empty. That made it easier. We get a lot of good CGI of the monster, or rather, we get a lot of CGI, and it is good CGI, uh-huh. particularly good for TV yeah. in 2000. Strangely, I felt like the CG was better than the practical creature effects on this particular episode. The practical effects were slightly hit and miss, but the costume in still was phenomenal. When it moved, though. When it moved... It was like watching the Muppets. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they had the eye blink thing, and that was pretty good. That was I neat. liked that. I liked that. The tongue <laughs> yeah, just made me think of how they did it, and there was definitely somebody with a little ball pump somewhere right, right. somewhere down the line, <laughs> squeezing it, making that tongue go... go. The biggest problem I had with the look of the puppet... Is the mouth was open the whole the whole fucking time. The whole time. And because snakes don't fucking run around with their mouth open. They have a specific hole that their tongue can go out so they don't have to open their mouth. Hmm. And I think if they had just made it where the mouth wasn't fucking open, I think it would have looked way fucking better. Yeah. Maybe it was panting. Maybe it was warm. You know, it takes snakes a lot. don't pant. It takes a lot of energy. Alligators vent their heat through their mouths. That's, snakes don't. That's why they sit there with their... Being mean to snakes! <laughs> so Anyway, I think they spent good money on a costume and some CGI. I Like, for Monster of the Week, I thought it was pretty fucking good. Halfway decent. So we're back at the magic shop. Yes. Riley comes in and gets all pissy that they, air quotes, let Buffy run off all half-cocked looking for psycho-murdery god ladies. <laughs> And snack demons while completely missing the irony of the situation. Yeah. Which Xander is more than happy to illustrate for him by slapping him in the face with Riley's own gigantic dick that he used to wipe out a whole nest of vampires by himself. I'm sorry, vampires. Which, strangely, (laughs) no one has thanked him for yet. I mean, how hard is it to say... (laughs) Did you say Xander slapped Riley with... 
Riley's dick? That's right. He said, Riley, I couldn't help but notice that your gigantic dick <laughs> is just hanging out here. And it looks like you could use some assistance in hitting yourself. Quit hitting yourself. <laughs> Quit hitting yourself. This paints a questionable picture. <laughs> That's right. And if you'd like to see that picture, head on over to www.beerwithbuffy.com slash slashers. <laughs> Nothing will actually be there, but go there. Uh, that's our actual domain. So Stop hitting yourself. Stop hitting <laughs> yourself. Quit hitting yourself. <laughs> why, don't, why hasn't anybody thanked Riley for taking out this whole nest of vampires yet? I mean, how hard is it to say, excuse me, Riley, you do in fact have the largest balls in the room. We should I, really he does. We should really use them to go bowling sometime. <laughs> and also, you should get that checked out. <laughs> yeah. But we know that you won't. Right? He's definitely averse to to doctors. Can't blame him. No, can't blame him at all. I mean, he he's ex-military, though. Like, he has, he has a pension. and Right. Like, well, he, he has a history. We've, yeah. we've been there. No need to revisit that. But anyway, all that being said, Xander and Riley's sword fight falls a little, uh, how do you say, limp? <laughs> Let's let's go with flaccid. I didn't want it to sound too sexy. So when Xander realizes that Riley is a little verklempt and out of sorts, yeah, uh, he he stops being so hard on him that I can't. The joke makes itself, and <laughs> and Riley fucks off. He's like, if Buffy or anybody needs me, and he trails off because he realizes. Nobody fucking cares. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, she doesn't. She needs Spike, motherfucker. She needs a bad boy. Ugh. She needs somebody a little darker. He's He's got a little too much cream in his coffee, if you know what I mean. I will always be here for you. And you've got Mr. Giles and your friends. Believe me, there's nothing to be afraid of. Anyway, <laughs> uh, from there, we cut to a short scene of the snake at a church. Like, I, I wasn't sure why they put a church there. Churchy snake. Like, I don't. the monks were at, a, like, a monastery, but this wasn't the monastery that the monks were at, and I don't recall Dawn or... I think you might be confusing the external shot of the hospital that Buffy is at. No, because they show an external shot of a church, and then the next shot, you see a statue on the wall of Jesus on the cross, mm -hmm. and the camera pans down, and the fucking snake is there. And I'm like, why? I must have glazed right over that, because yeah, that's about I mean, how relevant it is yeah, to the episode. It makes no <laughs> sense. Or it'll come back around later somehow, maybe. Maybe. Uh, who knows? Uh, Whatever. So... Back at a a hospital or the hospital that Joyce is at, I'm not sure. Yep. Buffy gets on the phone and she checks in with Giles over the beep beep bip bip machine. <laughs> and also she's like, Hey, by the way, there's a really big old snaky boy out there. Not as big as the mayor, but not, not big. As big as the mayor. But that's when the snake joke should have started. Right. Ah, oh, missed opportunity. <laughs> snake. A whole two seasons ago. 
Woof. All right. <laughs> but pretty big. Um, approximately as big as Snake Snake Boy. Yeah. Snake. And uh, <laughs> he's he's out there. Snakey Boy's out there, and he just needs a big old hug. <laughs> Uh, oh yeah and if you could continue lying to dawn for me when she gets there that'd be great yeah that that'd be that'd be great (laughs) i get that they go the angle of it's joyce's place to tell dawn uh kinda but for fuck's sake you're gonna let her just wallow in her worry yeah for an entire fucking day yeah that's rude that's mean and it's condescending. Yeah. She's 15. She's old enough to handle it. Yeah. So, cut to a depression montage. Yes. One depression montage with a sad piano. Coming right up. That makes me a sad panda snake. <laughs> Buffy waits at the hospital. Riley's off at Willie's drinking. Uh, Dawn is doing homework at the magic box. But it's depressing. But it's depressing. Very depressing well, homework. it's homework. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, shit. Did you hear that music? Fuck, that's depressing music. Yeah. Uh, but the whole montage ends with Riley getting bitten by a vampire, which, by the way, this vampire, who was the female vampire who was in the previous episode that Riley was talking to. Yes. Uh, one of our fans pointed out on our Facebook group that this vampire was one of the women that evil vampire Willow bit at the bronze yes and so this is them bringing an actor back and that is just fucking brilliant that is some glorious continuity i love it it's lovely we get to see her birth of a vamp as a vampire and her death as a vampire yeah it's the circle of life, life. or unlife, uh, un- d- death, <laughs> un- undeadness. It's the circle of lycanthropy. Those are werewolves. Oh, um, it's the circle of evil. <laughs> evil. <laughs> She's crossed the crosswalk with all the helpless little ladies <laughs> with too many parcels. <laughs> Taking that long walk down the little garden path. (laughs) At the end of which is more evil. More evil. (laughs) (laughs) So it's funny that just last episode, we were all like, man, he should have like taken her home and like pretended to make out with her and then staked her all. And so he did. (laughs) See, proof that characters in a TV show 20 years ago can listen to us. All snacky like. What I was like, he's a snack. The characters can what now? The characters listen to us. Oh well, yeah, they're twenty years in the past, and it's you know been recorded and existed, but they're listening to us. They hear us. Yeah, let's go Obviously. with that. <laughs> That's more interesting than my theory, which was <laughs> that our subconscious memories of this episode of the scene were kicking in possible i i definitely remember that but now that's no fun i uh, know it's it's really not we've never seen the show before at all <laughs> uh, cut back to the magic box yes and at night and outside of the magic box just before yes you know snacky boy goes for a little slither past the carousel and gets a little more demony than he was before it must be feeding off of all 
All of them old sappy memories of Dawn. Oh shit, she's the key! Oh no! Oh my god, I, that was exactly the process of my thoughts as that scene happened. I was like, Psh, what are the odds that he'd go to the carousel like that? Oh no! Dawn had a heightened emotional moment there! Which is why I'm curious as to why he went to the church. Yeah, that makes me wonder if there was a scene cut out where Don was at the church or something. Wow. That seems anyway, like that would have made more sense. Um, Buffy arrives to the magic box and she tells Don that mom is awake and they're going to head to the hospital. And just then a snake busts in. Yeah, true to Scooby form, just as Buffy is asking Willow and Giles about any snake sightings, Snaggy Boy uses Don's scent to track her to the magic shop. He does a quick Kool-Aid cosplay, and as one might suspect, his mere presence scares the shit out of Don, who stands there and screams, petrified with fear, but then the snack turns around and fucks off. He throws a shelf at Buffy, and then Don screams. It's a very good scream. Mm. I kind of want to know if it was actually Michelle Trachtenberg's scream or not, because the scream... In the episode with the gentleman, this the scream at the end of that episode is not actually Sarah Michelle Geller. So I'm very kind of curious if this is Michelle Trachtenberg's scream, because it's a good scream. It sold well enough for me. I don't see any reason to suspect that it wasn't. But then again, you know, I grew up thinking that the singing voice of Aladdin was the same as the talking voice of Aladdin. And here we are. Yeah. <laughs> Because it was obviously Robin Williams singing for the genie, but he was a massive exception for Disney. Yeah. Always different singing voices. Um, God, I wish that was a trend they continued. I'm fucking sick of them casting people in singing roles, and then the fu- they, the actors they cast, they cast for the role, but then they don't think, oh, can this person sing? And they can't fucking sing. Which is why the fucking live action, ver- the live action movie of the Phantom of the Opera sucks. <laughs> it's one of my favorite fucking musicals, and the movie sucks because you know what Gerard Butler can't do? Fucking sing opera! Oh, we're gonna get some hate mail for this, but I have the exact same complaint over Sweeney Todd. Oh, God, yes! The one with Johnny oh, Depp. Johnny Depp cannot fucking sing! Not to save his life. I haven't Ugh. even seen it, I've only heard descriptions of it, and I'm such a big fan of the original Broadway recording that... I don't want to ruin it for myself. Yeah, I. If, there's nothing fucking wrong with dubbing someone else's singing voice over your actor. Nothing fucking wrong. It makes for an excellent fucking movie. You get the best. You get the best of both, both fucking worlds. worlds. Yeah. You know what else? There's nothing wrong with what casting somebody that's not Johnny Depp. Right. Right. I've seen enough Johnny Depp. I don't need to see him as Sweeney Todd. He's not Sweeney Todd no. material. He nope. just isn't. All his characters are the fucking same now. It's fucking awful. So go ahead and send us all the hate mail. Yeah, that's fine. And I will send you a snack in return. <laughs> <laughs> um, not actually. We're not We're not mailing snakes to anyone. Well, that's a good giveaway idea, though. <laughs> Keeping that one in the, in the box, in the mystery box. You never know. Oh, God. Not a live snake, though. I still feel really guilty about that that one live snake that I accidentally murdered in a car. Because I left it was in my golf bag, and I left it in a hot car, and I didn't know that it was in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Poor snakey. Poor little guy. I know. Anyway, the snake fucks off, and Buffy immediately guesses, oh, shit, it knows that Don's the key. Um, 
she mentions that to Giles, but the rest of the Scoobs are notably confused that why did the giant scary snake monster run away from Dawn? Mm. But the chase begins! Yeah, because Buffy correctly supposes and relays to Giles that it must know about Dawn. Therefore, they pursue... Snacky Boy is terrorizing the general public as it slithers haphazardly down the street. Not very fucking sneaky, if you ask me. It Just is a, out in the fucking open. Not a particularly sneakity snack. No, it's fucking everywhere and like <laughs> scaring people. And so we get this big chase sequence. It's pretty neat. Yeah. Giles catches up to Buffy with his car. I, I like that they involved Giles in on this and they gave his shiny convertible a little bit of purpose. Yep. It's it's the Giles. Batmobile. <laughs> it's kind of fun. It's the it's the Gatmobile? The Jatmobile. The Guffy Mobile. No. It's the It's Giles's car. Okay, fine. <laughs> Cut back to the manor where Gloria is. She has a bit of a tantrum at what the fuck was his name? Dreg. Dreg. Because the snake isn't there yet. He panics honorifically over Glory. Yep. <laughs> panics honorifically. <laughs> She's uh, she's throwing a tantrum because she has absolutely no patience and thinks the spell isn't working. Yep. I'm like, damn, wait five minutes. Come on. Right. You just set that thing off. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, Chase continues and they end up going through like some sort of park area. I thought they were in a cemetery, but it probably was more of a park. I mean, what is a cemetery if not just a park with dead bodies? Yes. Right? <laughs> am I right? <laughs> Can I get an amen? No, really, we need one because we're talking about dead people. You gotta gotta cover your bases. Whoa, Pascal's wager. Whoa. That's as close as I get to an amen. That's <laughs> <laughs> that's the best pair I can think of. Anyway, Buffy catches up to the snake and uh, grabs a chain and jumps onto its back and chokes it out. She sure does, but it doesn't. It doesn't kill the snake. She doesn't hold the choke long enough. Like you gotta. As soon as they stop moving, you keep choking. Yeah. Because, like... It fakes her out. Yeah. But, to be fair, it uh, it probably wasn't trying to fake her out. It just wasn't quite dead yet. And it was like, right. oh, air, I can move again. <laughs> it throws her off. Oh, my, Josh. Hmm. Like, holy shit. She jumps on it. And she just punches it. For, like, the rest of the night. <laughs> like, you know what? Th this is her plan. For the next four hours. Yeah. They pulled out the sound effects in the Foley room of her punching wet, rotten vegetables. It's... And she just goes to town for this, a while. This is the mo I actually paused it. I'm like, holy shit. Jesus fucking Christ. I was like, no, my poor baby Snicky. No. She's just punching it. And there's like goop on her hand. No step on snake. It's... Like, obviously, it's not showing any of the gruesomeness, but it it's about as gruesome as a fucking show like this can get. It's kind of brutal, except for that one part where you can see her punching it and you can tell that it's about as realistic as that scene where William yeah. Shatner fights the lizard man. Yeah, I do wish they had not had that angle in. I think it would have played a lot better. Yeah. But uh, if you ever want to know uh, where your over usage of irregardless will get us <laughs> this is where it will get us Just, you know i'll keep punching <laughs> yeah it'll uh 
It, it doesn't improve the quality of anything. No. But it makes me feel better. Yeah. Okay. I can't really <laughs> fault you on that. I mean, in this day and age, what the fuck else do we have? <laughs> I got to cling on to whatever I can cling on to, man. <laughs> but yeah, she just beats it to death. Yep. Snakey goes squish squish. Snakey does not have din din. <laughs> Snakey boy is not well, okay. It kind of does. It kind of has din din. A knuckle fucking sandwich. Oh. 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 Snake. And then this is when we find out that Glory is in a big mansion because it's right over their fucking shoulder and the snake was almost to Glory. Almost, but not quite. Do you think Glory saw Buffy beating the shit out no, of it? No, I think she goes on thinking that the spell did not work. I think so as well. Because if she saw the, if she saw Buffy beating the shit out of the snake, she'd have fucking gone down there and there, beat the shit There'd out have been Buffy. an extra fight, absolutely. Yeah. So cut to the hospital for some wrap-up. Where we have Joyce and Buffy in the hospital room, and Joyce is like, Oh, I want to tell Dawn alone, just her and I... Which I totally fucking understand that that sentiment. And that's good, but for fuck's sake, you left your fucking young daughter in the dark all goddamn day. Yeah, not okay. Not okay. So Buffy steps out into the hall to find Riley, who attempts to comfort her. She does not take him up on his offer to let it all out while hugging him because she wouldn't be able to stop and her family still needs her. And Riley's clearly... A little hurt by this. Yep. And Buffy goes back into the hospital room at Joyce's beckon. Yep. Leaving Riley outside to feel sorry for himself and make it all about him all up in his head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gerarg. Gerarg. Is this for me? I must be ready. I need my strength. strength. Give, 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 give me more! Nights I shall give, walk in You've got something here. So about Riley in this scene, this is the moment. This is the moment where I'm like, okay, I get the Riley hate. I fucking get it totally. Yeah. Because this exact moment, I've fucking been here. She's not emotionally codependent enough on me. I've been here in a relationship where, for fuck's sake, she is in the in the position in the family right now where she needs to be the strong one. She needs to be the strong one for all the reasons that is very evident to Riley, and then several more on top of that that Riley doesn't even know about. Mm -hmm. She's the fucking slayer, savior of the goddamn world, and her mother is dying. Maybe you should just let her fucking figure out how to cope and not be like, but you need to rely on me. Yeah. How about you let her work that out in her own good and right. goddamn ready time? Like, okay, I get that you are feeling a little insecure about your relationship, but for fuck's sake, when your partner is going through something this direly emotional, what the fuck is your fucking problem? And on top of not being that far out from having found out that her little sister is not her little sister... But is, in fact, this great supernatural force that needs to be protected because super high stakes and stuff. For fuck's sake, Buffy's handling the whole situation impressively well, Yeah, mind you. But, like, the idea that when your partner's with someone 
they have to rely on you for their for emotional support is first off bullshit and you know that's a heteronormative thing that i have plenty of issues with but the whole thing with riley in this like you said he makes it about himself he's like oh i want you to rely on me this is like when you have someone in your life who messages you and is like oh i miss you (laughs) and then leaves it there and it's like Okay, are you going to do anything about you missing me? Are you going to call me up and make plans to come see me? No? Then you missing me is not my problem. Yeah, it sounds like a you problem. <laughs> and this is exactly that. Which, it, like, unfortunately, has been stigmatized. We, only up until recently have I thought of it that way. We're conditioned to believe that it is our problem and we should feel guilty if somebody says that they miss us and we should take it upon ourselves to bestow this kindness upon them of our company to make them stop feeling that way instead of letting them take responsibility and action for their own emotions. Yeah. And, you know, we do end up talking a lot about toxic masculinity on the show, but I think this particular scene paints the situation in in a light that we don't actually get very often because this is toxic masculinity in a different way because a riley cannot get any emotional support because he feels he has to get his emotional support from buffy she can't give him emotional support for his insecurities right now because she's dealing with shit mm-hmm. so he's just fucking wallowing in his insecurities when he could go to xander who's a friend who's willing to talk to him, but he won't because that's not the thing that he should do. You're supposed to rely on your partner to be all of your emotional support. Yeah. And then on top of that, it's also toxic masculinity in that Buffy is not leaning on him for emotional support because she, in this situation, can't. She needs to be the strong one for herself Mm -hmm. and how she's going to handle it and, and... carry the weight and so he also feels put out because she won't rely on him it's fucking layers of bullshit here and Mm -hmm. yeah i am officially as of this moment completely 100 on the fuck riley train and the go spike train no i'm not on that train yet not yet i know i'm 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 getting ahead of myself there he's still being a creepy asshole yeah the whole fucking I'm really kind of bothered by this season as far as love interests go. Right. Because I'm not feeling Riley and Buffy, and I'm really not feeling Spike and Buffy, because Spike is, like, just as fucking dangerous and toxic as Riley is. He's not handling anything particularly more maturely than Riley. He's just being more entertaining. Yeah. (laughs) He is being more entertaining at the very least, but the episode wasn't necessarily meant to be about this, but... To me, that's, you know, they left it on that note and that just, that's where it hits for me. I think we could have gotten a couple more points in favor of the Bechtel test if this season had been more geared towards how Glory is evil and why she's evil and how it is in any way an allegory to the pain of Buffy being in the process of losing her mother and having to take this extra responsibility of caring for her sister. Um, They could have focused more on that instead of all these goddamn fucking love interests. And it would have been far more feminist for that. 
Yeah. But they didn't. But they didn't. And so I'm just racking through in my head. Did we get any good character progression, plot progression? What what made this episode worthwhile and did you like it? I think we got a decent amount of plot progression in that uh, they found out something about Glory. They have a fucking name for fuck's sake. Hey, that's something. Giles knows what she fucking looks like now. Right? Well, they all kind of know what she looks like now. And so they got some information there. We got a little bit more about how Glory's operating, which is to say a bag of fucking cats chaotic. (laughs) But, and, you know, things, the tension's ratcheting up with Riley. Yeah, I I don't know if this was worth it. (laughs) Things are progressing poorly with Joyce. Um, But the relationship between Buffy and Dawn is becoming a magnitude stronger each episode. It seems like they, okay, Buffy held herself back from berating Dawn in any way at the very beginning of the episode. And then there was zero evidence of it even coming up again throughout the episode. I found certain aspects of the episode entertaining, but I don't think it was a particularly great episode. And I think it could have done a lot better if you take the bullshit of Riley out of the, out of the episode and you replace the scenes with Dawn and Riley to be Buffy and Dawn. And you have more of a heart-to-heart sister dynamic for the, those scenes rather than what we got. Yeah. And I think that would have done the episode and the season a much better much greater uh, service yeah exactly absolutely exactly uh that being said it is what it is there were a lot of good quotes we yeah, did it was it was a good witty episode I we did still that. get some good character progression and a lot of fun moments from our you know formerly front and center characters xander willow anya who are taking a back seat and doing it like champs letting Riley and Dawn take the spotlight for a bit and get some of their character progression a little more fleshed out, even though Riley's going to be gone super quick. I'm not sure how quick, but super quick. And don't tell us how quick, please. Yeah. No spoilers. (laughs) We spoil things for you, not vice versa. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. It was an all right episode, but uh, it could have been way better. It It was better than indifferent. I don't. I yeah, don't. There you go. That's I don't want right to be there. indifferent about it. I thought it was a good episode, but it wasn't great. There we go. And uh, yeah, what's your quote of the day, Rex? You know, I wanted to go with a different quote, <laughs> but I have to go with the first one. Damn it! I was gonna go with the first one. <laughs> I go go on. I I have to because it's it's a the most quintessential Giles quote that we've had yet. It's the best Giles-Xander interaction that perfectly encapsulates their relationship. You're not and, wrong. And all... that is, am I right, Giles? I'm almost certain that you're not. But to be fair, I wasn't listening. Yep, there it also, is. Also, this is something that we have said to each other, I, I swear. <laughs> oh, at some point in time. I know I've said it to someone. <laughs> uh, I'm No, it used to totally be a thing between us at the coffee shop. You'd start talking and I would just randomly interject, that's very interesting, and turn around and walk away. Yeah. That was the whole thing. It was basically <laughs> that. And it's hilarious. Mostly. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your quote of the day? I got to go with the other Fantastic Giles quote. Anya says, are you stupid or something? <laughs> yeah. Allow me to answer that question with a firing. <laughs> there it is. 
Too good. Excellent. Too good to pass up. Excellent. Well, there it is. I think it's your closing, Rex. Yeah. You know, don't forget to like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Join our Facebook group where we have fans who post all sorts of fun little tidbits like finding out that this extra who was playing the vampire in this we had seen before. That was a fun little fact. If you'd like to support our show, the number one way that you can do that is to give us a review on iTunes or any of your uh, podcast listening apps of choice. And remember, if you do give us a review and you send us proof of said review, we will send you a sticker. No joke. One free sticker. Totally free. If you would like to support us financially, you can do so at patreon.com slash beerwithbuffy. You could also go to beerwithbuffy.com slash shop and look at our merch and purchase some of that merch. If you'd like to get in touch with us to send us information, you can do so on Facebook and Twitter, or you can email us at beerwithbuffy at gmail.com, or send us a voicemail or text message at 269-743-0783. As always, thank you very much to JJ Treadway for our transition music. This has been Beer with Buffy. I'm Rex. I'm Josh. Have a good night. No step on snake. <laughs> done why are we watching this <laughs>